0: Grace and peace to you from Harvester Reformational Church in Milnerton, Cape Town, the mother city of South Africa. Founding Apostle Andre and Prophet Nola Pelser have reached almost 100 nations to date, fulfilling the great command to love and the great commission to go into all the world, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and making disciples of Jesus Christ. May God confirm the preaching of his word with signs and wonders following in your life. For free sermon notes, visit www.harvesterchurch.net and click on the Sermons tab. Search for the topics you need and keep spreading the word. Remember that some of these teachings are also available on DVD from Pelser Media. So contact Apostle Aja Pelser at ajepelser at gmail.com for more information. Now, here is Apostle Aja Pelser. Right, so let's look at what Jesus, what the Bible says about Jesus. Some of you weren't here last week, huh? Okay, and I only got up to point three last week. So there's a couple of more points I want to make. But the Bible says a lot of things about Jesus. In fact, the Word, Jesus is the Word made flesh. You know? But people sometimes read the Bible and they don't understand it speaking about Jesus. That it's a person. The truth is a person. Jesus is everything we need Him to be. The bread of life, the living water, the true shepherd. And this word, if you study it and see Christ in every scripture, you'll probably be right. You know, we aim through the cross when we look at doctrine. Do they speak about Jesus and Him crucified? And if it doesn't, then it's a self-centered gospel. We don't preach a self-centered gospel. We're not a self-centered church. We're not even a man-centered church. I tried to explain to someone this week, How we center on Christ and everybody that orbits in the church orbits around Christ and hears from the Holy Spirit what to do. And I tell you, I hardly give people tasks in this church. People hear from the Lord what to do. Because they're not doing it for a man. This is about Jesus. This is his church. He's the head of the church. He's the center of all our activities. He's our focus in the meetings. That's why I said, you know, even if you're busy working this morning, I said, hey, stop working and focus on what's important in the meeting. Jesus, the flow of the anointing of Jesus, of the Holy Spirit, is the central focus of all our meetings and everything else can wait. So even while you're functioning, do it with a worshipful heart and focus on what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Huh? There's a place for you. Come through the worship. It's easy to flow with it. But if you're busy with serving like Martha and Mary, Martha was serving and Jesus eventually sat down. and Mary had also helped, but now Jesus was teaching. But Martha was still busy, busy, busy. I'm going to make my kitchen look perfect so people can tell, tell me how good my kitchen looks. And she was compelling Mary to try and come and help her again and Jesus was busy teaching already. Jesus says, hey, Martha, Martha. Huh? Why are you so busy? Mary chose the best part now. It's time to. The best part is what is God focusing on right now? What is important? And something came out of the testimonies and the prophetic words now is that we must love people. Show them there's a place for them in church. Love them. Let them feel welcome. Amen? Like that couple yesterday. I did my best to make them feel welcome in Cape Town because i was also from Gauteng. they used to call me a fali it took a few years for that to wear off and um it's it's godly to treat uh, strangers in a, man, a manner worthy of the lord it shows love you see but you can do that with anybody just take an interest ask them how are you is there anything you need that i can do for you are you are you healed are you healthy can i pray for you are you scared are you doubtful about your future? Yeah. Are you ready to give up? That's where what, that's what many, many people are. So pray for them, help them, encourage them. Whatever the Holy Spirit shows you to do. Amen. Anyway, so let's go through some things that the Bible says about Jesus. And remember, the, the reason I'm talking about this is because someone in church told me their story about how they came to, to Harvester. And they went to one church. And uh, in the car park, they were just pulling in, in Milneton there, and the priest came out. Wait, 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 don't park there. If you're here for the bingo, come and park over here. (laughs) So so our friend said, you know what, it's okay, I'm not here for the bingo. Because he was asking God to show him a church to go to. The bingo church wasn't for him. Goodness gracious, yeah. Somebody write a clause in our church. There, just put a sign there. We will not play bingo here. We we trust in God that we can all grow old together and enjoy the church for a long time there that venue. But we're not going to play bingo. Goodness sake! We'll still be teaching and mentoring and preaching. Amen. And doing some jazz nights, maybe. Maybe a jazz night would be nice for me. I'd like to do that, do some spiritual jazz, like we do spiritual blues, but not a bingo night. Anyway, so, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not for bingo. Then he goes to another, another church, and he knocks on the door just around there, the same area. And the pastor comes out with a cigarette and a drink. He says, yeah, can I help you? <laughs> and, and my friend says, I don't think so. Goodbye. So, <laughs> Eventually he gave up. He said God, I'm looking for a church. Show me a church. So he was he was registering his tortoise at the, the Cape Nature conservation offices there. You remember they used to walk around in khaki and and shorts during winter? Those guys. <laughs> yeah. Long socks and fellies. Yeah. That's it, that's it. They were in Mill Park Centre, remember that? And then we had this coffee shop there and it didn't really look like a church. It it looked like like, a, like we called it the hub. And uh our our Indian friend Kay Ragnat used to make legendary rutis. She made fantastic chicken kurma with cashews and lyches. Yeah. And then she had masala chips that was Totally the most popular thing. The students ate masala chips every day. And I had an account there for a while. And that was very nice. <laughs> so there was a lot of nice life. And then downstairs, of course, was the church, right? Um, that old cinema that we rigged up for a church, and we had lots of wonderful meetings there. But nobody could see it. We were always underground, you know? If a, if a nuclear bomb fell... On Cape Town, harvesters would have been fine because we're underneath about twenty twenty meters of concrete, and uh, the the coffee shop was there and people were mingling outside and this this the, our friend walks in there he comes says what's this what's going on here huh no this is a church really yeah. And then he started talking and uh, Richard Broderick came out and we, we used to call him Strongs because he, he knew all the scripture verses. We were in Bible school together. Strongs Concordance. And he, he said, can I tell you what the Bible says about Jesus? Can I tell you what the Bible says about Jesus? Simple, that. Eh? Imagine you saying that to someone. Can I tell you what the Bible actually says about Jesus. And what are you going to say to that? Of course, tell me. And our friend listened, heard it, went to that church, been in that church now for 25 years. Because somebody asked him, can I tell you what the Bible says about Jesus? Little moments make a big impact in someone's life. That life, born lots of fruit, helped a lot of people, helped the church. Valuable. Those other guys thought he's there to play bingo. Stupid. (laughs) Thanks for sending him to us. Amen. Never underestimate a chance encounter, a divine connection. It can gain momentum in their lives. It can propel you. It can help you fulfill the plan of God. Amen. So I never underestimate that. And I always take it seriously when God lets me meet somebody. I think, why am I meeting this person? What is what is my role here? I'm, I don't go with an agenda. But I, I'm open to let the Holy Spirit show me what to do. Is it is it coffee key? Is it that I'm warm? Is it net water? Ah, okay. I thought you at least had some warm tea in there, man bless you. Next time. We'll put a little kettle here next week. Um, so Jesus is the Savior of our souls. He's our Redeemer. Amen. He's, the, he's our mediator. So let's, let's, I'll give you some keywords that you can write down and you can memorize it. So if I wake you up at the middle of the night and say, tell me what the Bible says about Jesus, then you can tell me. Because normally it's under pressure. You've got to think under pressure when, when the opportunity comes to testify and witness of the love of Jesus it normally comes when you least expect it. So you've got to be ready in season and out of season. Amen. So here's some keywords, and then I'll I'll flip through the scripture verses for you as well. And it's already on the website, so you can download the rest of it there. Obviouslychurch.net. So savior, Redeemer, Mediator. Christ. I'm going to explain what Christ is. It's the anointed one of God. Living water. Bread of life. Then light of the world. Living water, bread of life, light of the world. Name above all names. The name of Jesus is such a powerful name. We don't use it enough, I think. We use the name of Jesus a bit more. Amen? It's the name above every other name. It doesn't matter which language you say it in. Demons have got a little translator built into them. They know Jesus, Jesus, Yesu, you know. Some some people are saying, you must say it in the Jewish version. Do you know when you say to a dog, foot sack... He understands it in any language. sack And they do you, I've, you. I've tried it overseas, in other countries. They don't understand Afrikaans. You say, Fuzzak! Hew, meow, meow, meow. If you say Jesus in any language, those demons will go, they'll know they're getting a footsack. So don't come and tell me I must speak a language You know that's 2,000 years old and then that's the only way I can say Jesus. Forget it. That's why we've got tongues, people. The Holy Spirit can translate it. Don't let someone force you. You must say, You can only read the Jewish translation of the Bible. They want to keep you. They want to bind you in their tradition. Because Jesus only came for one nation, did he? Did he? (laughs) Didn't Jesus come for the? Didn't God send His Son to die for the for the world? So you you can only say Jesus in one language. Don't limit God with your silly traditions. I'm not speaking to any of you. I'm speaking to those people who say these things, and I'm showing them how (laughs) stupid they are. Because they bind people with their traditions and make void the power of the name of Jesus. And ask people who talk to you about all those. Ask them, how many demons have you driven out? How many miracles have you seen? Have you seen the dead raised in the name of Jesus? Because we have. We know the power in the name of Jesus. He says, Yesu. I love it when the, the you know, the. Friends first, the nice band I used to listen to. Yesuli Now, I'm I going to say to those guys, singing this nice, it's nice, like, you know, and they dance like this. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell them, you have to say Yehoshua, because Yesu doesn't work. Just give me a break. Give me a theological break. You know, they're so clever, they become stupid. That's what the Bible says. It's my translation. Professing to be wise, they become fools. They're so clever, they become stupid. That's that's just a very simple way of saying. So don't let stupid people rob you of the power of the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I say Jesus to the fishes in the sea, and they also listen. But but that's another story. It's the name above all other names. He is the Lord of lords. God has raised Him from the dead. Amen. He's the head of the church. Do you know, I can, I can give you 200 examples of what the Bible says about Jesus, but I've, I've chosen 10 for you to get started for those people that don't know. Amen. So you run through them. He's savior, redeemer, mediator, Christ, living water, bread of life, light of the world, name above all names, lord of lords, eh, and head of the church. Oh, yeah, you can become a lord now in Scotland if you buy, if you buy a piece of land, you can get a, get a lordship. I saw it on the internet. <laughs> oh my gosh. And you know what the caption says? Never be treated badly at a restaurant again. <laughs> buy, a, buy a piece of land and then you can become a lord. <laughs> they have a certificate and there's this guy with a cape. <laughs> Oh my god, what gosh, what a what a gimmick. Um, Jesus is the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. Amen. In in first John four verse fourteen it says, We've seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as the Saviour of the world. He's not just the prophet, Jesus. He is the savior of the world. That's very important. Because people will say, well, there's many faiths and many roads lead to Rome and so on. Many ways that people see God and how, you know. And Jesus was a good man, you know, Gandhi was a good man. And there's Muhammad, and he's also a prophet, you know. I don't know. The father has sent the son to be the savior of the world. He died for the sins of the world, and He rose again to enforce the victory that He won on the cross. That's what the Bible says about Jesus. That's what history says about Jesus. Amen? And there's too many infallible proofs. After Jesus' resurrection, people saw Him alive. His life carried on through the early church. They did the same miracles than He did. They had the same love that He had. People knew they were His disciples by the love that they showed, because they said, this is the same level of love Jesus showed. And that early church continued through persecution and you can read about it in history. For 300 years the first early church was persecuted to death by the Roman Empire. But they couldn't kill it and then the Roman Empire became Christian. Read your history. The people that challenge you say, yeah, the church. Yeah. So have you read Fox's Book of Martyrs? They probably haven't. Because it, it's few hundred pages of people suffering for their faith. Refusing to recant Jesus. Refusing to bow before Rome. Refusing to bow before idols. Getting thrown to the lions, burnt at the stake. Nero puts them on crosses down the street and lights them up to light up his parties. This is what happened to the Christians. The faith that we have is precious. Don't let people walk over it. Don't stand back. Speak up. Jesus is the Savior of the world. And nothing people can say or do can change that fact. It's forever settled. Jesus Savior of my soul. We're going to play some blues tomorrow night. We're having our first blues practice again after lockdown. So I'm quite happy about that. Yeah. Amen. I'm going to make some music tell people about Jesus. He's the Redeemer. See, there's no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. So, He's that Redeemer and Passover Lamb that is slain for our sins so that he sh- we should not die in our sins but live eternally. Now, Exodus 12, verse 22 says that it's the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel and Egypt when He struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshipped. And then that was the pass the first Passover. Remember? The last plague, slaying the firstborn. And they had to kill a lamb and take the blood and paint it on the lintels of their doorposts. And they used hyssop to do it. Which is what they also used to put in Jesus' mouth when he was on the cross. Painted the lintels. huh? And then the angel of death passed over the households and where where they were covered with blood, they didn't die. And we said that at the beginning. We will not die. The angel of death will go past your house. It will pass over you. No evil shall befall you. Because your house is covered with the blood of Jesus. And I was encouraging in the early times of COVID, we were saying, have communion in your house. split the blood of Jesus over your house. Painted on your doorpost if you want. But you are covered in His blood and the angel of death will pass over you. Jesus is that Redeemer that has done that for us. Amen? And you can share that with other people. I've been to a house in England where the, the plague, the black plague, passed over a house. Remember in Chester? And there's a plaque there. said nobody got sick in this house. Because these were Christians. And God preserved them. People died, left, right, and center. But God preserves you. Isn't that amazing? He's your Redeemer. He redeems you out of any situation. You know, we live on earth and in our time, but God lives in eternity, so be patient. He's busy with something. But God, it's taken 24 years for me to have my first son. When am I going to have a son? I'm past it already. Abraham, you know, when the angel told, told Abraham and Sarah that he's going to have a son, she laughed in the kitchen. Say, Abraham! <laughs> <laughs> it was an impossibility for them at that stage. But, the, you know, the Lord said, hey, this time, this time next year you will have a son. Hmm. Don't mix it up, say next time this year you <laughs> Okay. So he's the Passover lamb, amen. And during the last supper Jesus presented his body as that would be broken and his blood that would be shed as the Passover lamb. And then Corinthians first Corinthians um chapter five verse seven it says, Purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are our leaven. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. There, Paul then says to them, Jesus now is our Passover. Every time we have communion, God's judgment passes over us. Death passes over us. And Jesus has become our sacrificial lamb. So that's why we do communion every time we come together. It's not a ritual for us. We understand that we are many or one body for we partake of one bread. We understand that Jesus was broken for us and we come into him through this communion. We understand that that blood cleanses us of sin. We understand, you know, what communion is. So yes, he's the mediator of a bit better new covenant that has better promises for us. Hebrews 12.24 says Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Abel called out for revenge and vengeance because Cain killed him. He wanted justice. He wanted he wanted Cain to be punished. You know, you can't blame him. But Jesus' blood is different because while his blood was flowing on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. We've got a lot to learn here. Huh? Every now and then when I think of Jesus and what he did, um, I'm a little ashamed of how I react to things. And you? How we respond to people? Uh, people say little thing against you, or they criticize you, or come against you, or try and circumvent what you're trying to do, and, and you know, and you just want to respond in the flesh. And Jesus is on the cross looking at you. And you're going, mm, Father, forgive them. They, they don't know what they do. They're not crucifying you yet. You're really telling God to throw them in hell, burn down their house, you know, blot out their memory from the earth. Lord, if they're in heaven, I don't want to see them. Move me to another section. Escape my mansion as a belief. We'll need obvious and in You've got to check your heart. Say, Lord, Father, forgive them. Mm. Yeah? Jesus. That's what the Bible says about Jesus. He forgave people that were killing him. Yeah. So, I, you know, I said, Lord, give me an upgrade in my ability to forgive because I still hold things against people. I try and forgive them every time I have communion. But it still comes back. You still get that old feeling. Mark, you're quiet. Get angry. People that have done things years ago you haven't forgotten. Yeah, I forgive, but I won't forget. That's not how God forgives. He forgives and forgets. Imagine if God had to remember all your sins if you stand before Him. It'll be very awkward. Thank God, He, God has a delete button that Jesus paid for. Amen. It's a beautiful application. It's a better covenant. The old covenant, you're gonna pay. The new covenant, Jesus paid. I want the new covenant. <laughs> Okay, so if you want the new covenant, the new covenant has got new pr- protocols. You must forgive. Can't hold, you, you don't have the option to hold things against people anymore. You have to operate in love. New operating system. If you bring the old operating system into a new computer, it won't work. Amen. So let God rewire you from within and let that new covenant kick in. So Christ then is also the Anointed One, you know, Christos. He's an Anointed One. He's the Son of God. Peter had this revelation. Matthew sixteen fifteen. He had to understand that this man that he was following was actually the Son of God, not just a prophet, not just a man, but God incarnate in Jesus, walking with men. Jesus is the Word made flesh. Jesus. Is the Son of God. He was fully God in a human form. Some churches don't believe that anymore. Did you know that? Some big churches, some popular churches don't believe that anymore. Jesus was just a man. But Matthew 16, 15 says, But who do you say that I am? Because people were saying, some say Elijah, some say John, you know. But who do you say that I am? Yeah. Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And he blesses him. He says, hey, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But God has revealed this to you. God must give you a revelation of Jesus. We were talking about worship this morning. Chantal and I were having our meditation sessions and Something came out of that and she talked about worship. That with worship, you need a revelation to worship. Otherwise, you're just singing, singing words. You need a revelation of who God is and of who Jesus is. Otherwise, it's just a ritual. We had such wonderful moments in worship today. I desired that, you know. It's been difficult to worship with people feeling awkward and distancing and masks and can we drum and can we not drum and can we this and can we that. It's, it's, there's, there's a lot of distractions in the world today. So you need a revelation of Jesus to worship. And when that revelation, there were a few revelations in the worship today that allowed us to access a higher level of worship, which is what we've been desiring. There's something in me that wants to break out of this place and, and go deeper and higher and louder. and I feel it. But you need a revelation to get that breakthrough in worship. Uh, Apostle Andre gave us a great key for the men this week to make melody in your heart to the Lord. Let the word of Christ dwell in you and then administer it to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Ephesians uh, 5.19 says, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Have a melody in your heart. Sing to the Lord. Hum while you work. Because it'll, it'll liven up your spirit. The world is depressed. People are fearful. People are doubtful. They don't know, they don't have hope. When you sing unto the Lord and you make a melody in your heart, simple melodies. You don't even have to know all the words, okay? Take the simple ones and just let it out before the Lord while you work, you know. I'm blessed in that I have, my wife's name means sing. Chanter. Is the French word to sing? It's a verb. Says so a verb. Says <laughs> so a French verb. not a French herb, ni. A French verb. And during the day, I'll hear little tunes in the house, you know? And last night, she played through a lot of harvester songs on the piano, just quickly, each one. She was just checking the chords. And I grew up like this with my mom in the house and dad in the house. Always music, always a song, always praise unto the Lord. And many of, many of the times it's praise songs that they, they're playing. So if, you're a, if you have a, a guitar or something, just play it to the Lord. If you have a voice, just use it, sing it to the Lord. doesn't matter if you're winning um, idols with it. Just make melody in your heart to the Lord. Amen? And if you really struggle to sing, put on a CD. Goodness sake, no. Yeah, sing with the dogs. So some people, when they sing, the dogs start howling. You know, you're hurting their ears. Yeah, it's nice to when you're driving and things like that. Just, just worship. You know, He's the source of our living water. Jesus is our living water. John four. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus was ministering to somebody with, with the gifts of the Spirit. A Samaritan woman at the well. Amen. He had a word of knowledge in the form of a question. He says, Where's your husband? That was the, that was, that word husband was the word of knowledge because that opened up her whole life. She says, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, yeah, that's true. The one you're living with now is not your husband. You've had many before. Five. (gasps) Just opened up her heart, started ministering to her, talking to her about living water and worship, and then she fetched the whole village. Then Jesus said to his disciples, lift up your eyes, the harvest is white. Word of knowledge unlocked ministry to a whole village. A divine connection. A particular moment. A word of knowledge unlocked ministry into the Samaritan village, which eventually opened up to Philip's revival, which eventually prepared the way for the Christians to flee from Jerusalem when Rome attacked them in AD 70, and those Samaritan Christians looked after them. One word. Where's your husband? Those questions that come up in your heart when you're speaking to people, just ask it and it will unlock things. The living water will flow. You just need a little trigger to open up that gate of living water in people's hearts. It says, if you've asked me, if you... (laughs) you would if you if, if knew it is Jesus says to you, "Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Those people asking you questions, give him living water, Amen. When people say, "Ah, yeah, you know, don't know how things are going to work out, eh? Then you tell them how things are going to work out. Yeah, the president, hey and this and that they yeah. my fellow citizens. Pray for him. Hmm? Don't join the conversations where people are breaking down our country. Speak a word of life over it. Let living water flow in this country. Amen? Yes, there's things going wrong, but speak life. Celebrate life. To life, to life. Lechayim. Yeah? It gives you something to think. (laughs) Don't get me started. I'm going to start dancing like a Russian. Okay. Some people, there's death all over them. You just have a conversation with them and it's like nothing's worth it anymore. Speak life. Celebrate life. Celebrating a wedding today. Cheer up. Cheer up. Jesus is coming. Cheer up. You're part of the bride of Christ. Cheer up. There's a big party coming. Cheer up. He's built a mansion for you. Cheer up. He's taken care of you up to now and He won't let you down tomorrow. Like, celebrate that at least, you know. Even if you don't celebrate your birthday. Some people, I say to them, happy birthday. What do you want to do? No, I don't want to do anything. Have a microwave dinner and watch TV. Celebrate life, man. Find a way. Find a reason. Amen. Tell you what, I've, I make excuses to celebrate life. Phone somebody. Let's do something. Yeah? And, um, yeah, I've, I've learned to enjoy things, man. Because life is difficult, life is hard. You know? Find something to celebrate. Amen. It's your <laughs> it's your thirteenth month without being fired. Celebrate that. Yeah. Three people looked at your Instagram feed. Celebrate it, man. It's my third person. I mean, we got our we had our hundredth uh, subscriber for MB MBTC channel, you know. And it's not astronomical, is it? None of you went. Whoo! I took my team out for pizza. Wow, well, burgers. Yeah, the IT team's pizza, the MBTC channel team is burgers. Yeah, we find a reason. Was it it nice? Yeah, and have we grown since then? Yeah, we have grown, we have grown. Tell you what, find a reason to celebrate. I'd celebrate new churches. When I told them, hey, how old are you as a church? No, we're seven years old. How about we're struggling and it's this and it's that? Hey man, have you had a birthday for your church? No, we haven't thought of that. Let's celebrate your church's seventh birthday. And we'll get Pastor Clyde to make you a cake. Was it their seventh or their fourth birthday? Yeah. This particular church. I asked Pastor Clyde, make me a cake. I designed it with a cake boss. It's like a, Now I must phone the girls. Apparently, you've taken over the business now. Is it a? The new cake bosses. So I designed a cake with a beautiful velvet pillow and a crown and a scepter for this church. Uh, Pastor Jeff uh, Onyems, House of praise. And um, I said to them, "Happy fourth birthday, I'm coming to play. They invite us every year for their birthday. Now, celebrate the churches with. And you know, the African churches that, that we relate to, they dress better than us. I mean it's suits and it's ties and it's the, the shoes are a little bit shinier and pointier. And um so so I, I dressed up for the occasion, but it was funny because we had this cake here and Pastor Clyde, you know, we 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 you know, wheeled it in you know, just like the T V, you know don't bump it this beautiful crown and you can eat everything you can eat the scepter and the ball and the crown and the jewels and everything and it's like a beautiful red velvet cake man it was incredible nobody thought how are we going to eat this (laughs) and all these people standing in suits you know and then I said, let's sing happy birthday to your church. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear house of praise. Happy birthday. Everyone went crazy, man. Celebrating something. Yeah, it was just so beautiful. I said, okay, let's have cake. For goodness sake, let's have some cake. <laughs> and uh, those pastors climbed into that cake. Forget Carducci and Armani, eh? Those suits will never be the same. It was like we we're having cake fights, and there was cake, cake everywhere, and we were standing like this. Unforgettable birthday for a church, and then it sort of took it took off, and some of the other churches started, uh, you know, celebrating their birthdays. Oh, we're actually ten years old. So well done, you know, congratulations. Celebrate your honeymoon, you know, celebrate your, your marriage. Yeah. Make it special. Yeah, I discovered after twenty years that my wife doesn't like cheesecake. I'm like we go to coffee shops and I say, Let's get a cheesecake and we share it. You know, you like share the dessert sort of thing? It's it's to save money and to save other things as well. And um all these years, he's like, sure. I said, well, do you want caramel cheesecake or like a bit of strawberry on top? No, I don't care. Yeah. So, I yeah, like, yeah, always cheesecake. And then after 20 years, we, went, uh, we celebrated our 20th anniversary and I was going to order cheesecake. And she said, you know, I don't really like cheesecake. <laughs> so all those times when I was like sharing my cheesecake with you, I could have had more. <laughs> Why don't you eat it? <laughs> what do you like? Yeah, so we went on a culinary journey to find out what she does like. But, what, I know, you know. Some chocolate. Portal Cook. You see, you don't know your wife. Start dating her again. Take her out. Do something special. Don't think you know your wife. You've been married with her. You think you're so clever. Ask her if she likes cheesecake, you'll be very surprised. And celebrate that you've discovered something new. Friends, family, kids. Your kids will tell you things you don't know. Celebrate it. Amen. It's living living water, you see, bread of life. Yeah, I thank the Lord for bread, eh? When we were in France we said, Lord, give us today our French bread. Our baguettes. It's much better. So it says, Moses came down, Father gives you the true uh, bread from heaven. John 6.33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives his life to the world. Amen. But what you do when you, when you make bread, we went to, to the Netherlands once. And uh, we visited the Maasbachs. And we were preaching in one of their churches. The Maasbachs are a family in ministry, like us, like we have families in ministries here. And um, the Netherlands is beautiful, got a lot of windmills. And those windmills are there so that they can turn and grind the the wheat to make flour for their bread. So I spoke a sermon about bread. Jesus is the bread of life. How do you make bread? You know, the wheat is harvested and you grind it down and gets pounded, Right? And then you add some water and the water speaks of baptism and the word and a little bit of oil speaks of anointing and salt which speaks of, you know, the truth that you gotta speak. We're the salt of the earth and, you know, and then you gotta knead it a little bit. And then what must you do when you've beaten that bread? Huh? You must put it in, in a dark place and let it. When Jesus was beaten for us, he was put in a dark place, but then he, he rose, And then He baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You can take that bread and you warm it up and it starts becoming something. And it, and it becomes golden brown and it's got nice, you know, it's got that steam coming out of it and you cut that bread and you put that butter on it and it just melts in your mouth and it's just, ah! Oh. <laughs> Who wants bread? <laughs> yeah, so... I'd get you all saved, you know, if we were selling bread today. But um, I preached this sermon then and I realized, you know, the Marsbach? He's, um, the the father worked in a bakery before he went into ministry. But I didn't know that. After the meeting, they gave me his autobiography to read. said, so, read here. Ah, oh, he was a baker. That's why I preached about the bread of life. And it's such a beautiful ministry. And if you're ever in the Netherlands, you should connect with them. They, they inspired my dad to go into missions. Wilmaasbach. Well, they went to Indonesia. And uh, John Marsbach visited our church. He'll visit us again. They've got a, a, a bl- they've got two blocks in the Hague that the church owns. The one block is where they have all the workers in the church stay in the same block of flats. And we also stayed with them. They've got a few rooms for, for visitors. And a cafeteria with a full restaurant. Across the road, they've got an old cinema that's a church and all the, the classrooms that they have Bible school in. They've got a printing press and a TV ministry. All there. And they've built it up over a few generations. Stretch my mind a little bit to see what we could do. Amen? God's giving us many things to enjoy, many places to use. He has a place for us too. We're going to do many things there. People are going to come visit us from all over the world. And you see. But the bread of life, when you when you share bread with somebody, you need to take it through a bit of a process. Don't just take today's message and give it to someone. Go and knead it a bit. Eh? Yeah. Let it go and put it aside and let it rise a little bit. And then let the Holy Spirit fire blow in your life and let it, let it bake a little bit more. I'm giving you the ingredients. You go and bake it a bit for somebody. Then give them fresh bread, something God gave you that day for them. Amen? Stale bread is for the fish, Yeah. And feed it to the ducks. When you, when you give bread to people and you break your life for them, it must be fresh and it must be like, wow. And that's what you are. From what I can hear in the testimonies we hear here, in the churches, people's lives are very, very valuable. God's done awesome things for you. Fresh testimonies every week. Amen. Share that with people. He's the light of the world. The thing about the light of the world is when He was here, He was the light. And when He left, who's the light? That's the revelation. What does a light need to shine? Some form of energy and fuel. Ismut brant. Something needs to burn for there to be a light. If you have the Holy Spirit and fire, there's a spark in your life. If you just serve the Lord ritually and religiously, without the Holy Spirit, man, you're not going to shine. In order to shine, something must burn. Amen? You've got to burn some energy. You've got to make a little bit of an effort for the Lord. You've got to do what the Holy Spirit shows you to do. You've got to build up that dynamo That fire inside of you before you go and try and shine. can't just try and do it in your own strength and with your mind. You've got to pray in tongues. You've got to ignite the fire. Then you can be a light. Amen. I'm almost there, guys. We're going to finish today. Because I've been trying for two weeks to finish this sermon. And the internet didn't allow me last week, so I'm going to do it now. He's the name above all names. Amen. We've talked about the name of Jesus. But here is how he got his name. How the Lord gave him the name. In Philippians 2 verse 7 it says, He made himself of no reputation first. You see, the reason Jesus is the name above all names is because he became the humblest of all first. He made himself of no reputation. He took on the form of a bond servant and he came in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross so that word for form and that concept of Jesus being equal with God he says he did not consider it robbery to be equal of God equal with God Jesus was God and he was in top form like a tennis player that is like winning the world circuit that's what that concept is so Jesus left his top form, and came and lived with us. It's like Roger Federer leaving the tennis circuit and coming to play with Tobias. Now, Stefan's kids were there with me this week. Cute kids. is starting to take care of them nicely. But it's like coming to play with a little choker key in the, in the garden. Roger Federer. Can you picture that? Well, that's what Jesus did to come and live with us. And he thought it was great. I'm going to play with you, man. Yeah. He takes an interest in your life. He, he's busy with, he could be busy with the universe, but he takes an interest in your life. That's Jesus' humility. That's why he has the name above all names. That's why I want to serve him, because he's not too big for me. Yeah. Doesn't, don't you feel great when, when somebody that, that you really respect... Come and take a little bit of interest in your little life. Huh? I always I always valued that. I remember when I was playing cricket at school and I was then at six, the first team coach would sometimes ask me, so how did you bat today? How many runs did you make? And I would look forward to him asking me that every week and I'd make more runs and more runs and more runs. They had a good effect on me. When the when people don't take an interest in you, you say, Oh, what's the point? So how much more when you're making disciples and you phone somebody, say, How are you doing? What you've been doing for God? Have you witnessed? Have you been laying hands on the sick? Have you done what I've asked you to do? Is it how's it working? Have you reached out to somebody? And then next time you phone them, they'll be ready. They'll say, I've reached out to somebody, I've prayed for the sick, I don't know. Because someone cares. We now do this on a church level internationally. How's it going? How are your meetings? How are your outreaches? Well, we, we planted another church. Okay, go for it, man. Go for it, man. I'm doing exactly what that coach did for me. And there's growth. And there's beautiful growth. And there's beautiful fruit. And it's just wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. I get such a kick out of talking. This week we spoke to the youth on the West Coast. And um, talking about reaching out to kids. Reach out to the kids. Talk to them. Spoke to a bunch of young kids that Jan Hendrik got online, and um, we just asked them questions about themselves. They opened up. Easy to teach them because somebody cared, somebody bothered, you know. So yeah, therefore God, God has highly exalted him, given them the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess, huh? that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Which brings us to confession that Jesus is Lord. Everybody just say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Lord. Yeah, that's it. And you know, sometimes when you declare the Lordship of Jesus over your life, your family, your house, the atmosphere changes. And you just go like this. I just declare your lordship over my house now, Lord. I speak peace into this place in Jesus' name. And you can walk in and you can do it in your as you step into your work, as you step into any situation. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And then His lordship comes through your life. Amen? Then every knee bows and every tongue confesses of those who are on earth, in heaven and under earth. Dead spirits, demon spirits, angelic spirits, human spirits, Everything must bow. Amen? The authority is inside of you, but you must understand it, and you must meditate on it, and it will grow. And then you start taking authority with your spirit. When people come at you unnecessarily, and you think, what is this? It's your adversary. He is constantly adverse to you. He's constantly trying to Wreck your party, rob your joy, destroy what you've built, make you doubt yourself, spread lies about you, accuse you. Do you know you have an enemy? Well, you say, Jesus is Lord. Out loud so that your ears can hear it. Faith comes by hearing. You start believing Jesus actually is Lord, then the devil flees. He's checking your faith levels. If the devil sees your faith levels up, he can't touch you. That's why he attacks that. And he tries to take away things that you put your faith in. But if you put your faith in Jesus, those other things don't matter and he can't attack you anymore. He can't rub your joy. Your peace passes understanding. I know some people sitting in this room that have been through hell and are still smiling and praising God. The devil, it makes him crazy. He hates you. But he can hate you all he wants. He can't touch you. You're covered in Jesus' blood. He's a loser. Not you. You are more than a conqueror. Through Christ who strengthens you. Jesus Man, when that sinks in, you carry on. Do you know what Gandhi did? he destroyed the British Empire with an with a Indian spinning wheel. He went and sat on his bum with his loincloth and he got a little Indian... He changed his dress and he started spinning material, like that, that threads with an Indian spinning wheel. My sister saw one when she went to the pastor Andre. And they asked him, what are you doing? He said, I'm spinning India's future. That wheel makes material... And what was he doing? England had the mills where they exported textiles to the world. And when the Indians started their own little wheels at home, they put those mills out of business. He destroyed an empire by doing something small consistently in his own home. You destroy the devil's empire. By doing something small consistently in your home. Worshipping the Lord. Praying. Reading your Bible. Watching live stream. What are you doing? You're spinning the kingdom's future. One thread, one line upon a time. Very powerful. Still today, Indian families make a living spinning Making their own material. You still get some of the best cotton weave from India. And the, the, the clothes from India, incredible. From the, some of their neighboring countries, I won't mention any names. It's rubbish. Do something simple what the Lord shows you. He is Lord. And if you just keep at it, and keep saying it, and keep believing it, and keep proclaiming it over your life, everything else will eventually realize, you know what? That's true. Jesus really is Lord in this place. (laughs) Amen. He's also the head of the church. I said to someone, Jesus is the center of our church. He says, yeah, that sounds good in theory, but I want to see it in practice. I don't know if that will work. I just smiled. Yeah, he's he's new to these things. Yeah, can you show me how this looks, this thing you're talking about? I've written two books about it, you know. You can read my books if you want. Yeah, but does it actually work? I don't know. Ask the people that are in orbits for the last 20 years. Ask the churches that are in their orbits, in galaxies. Ask Jesus, he's the head of the church. Ask him if he likes what you're doing. And the wonderful thing about orbits is the momentum is from within. It's not something we can generate. We can't motivate people to serve the Lord. They do it because they love Jesus, and they love each other, and they go because they're sent. So the forces are in balance. We're not just a holy club. But we're also a giving and going out club. You know? We're not a club. <laughs> but Jesus is the head of the church. And he's the head of the church of the firstborn registered in heaven. He's coming for his bride, the church, and he's promised to prepare a place for you. Prepare a place for you. There's a place for you. There is. She sang that this morning. Yeah. It's prepare a place here my notes. And... We'll, we'll speak about Jesus in the church now with Rudy. And Jesus finally says in John 14, 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll also come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's Jesus' desire. That is what it's all about. Jesus is coming for you. Holy Spirit said to me once, When you finish with your work, I will come and fetch you. So if you're not finished with your work, He won't come and fetch you. Finish your work. Finish what God has told you to do. And then one day He will fetch you to Himself. Maybe it will all be together. Maybe it will just be individuals. But I've seen how the Lord has taken people at the right points in their lives when they finish their course, run their race of faith. And he said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That's what I want. Amen. said to the Lord, you know, while I'm I'm drum soloing, just make a cloud. You know, and then the, the cloud comes and takes me up, you know. Will Wien takes me up and, and uh, I'll just throw my sticks down to my disciples and they'll carry on playing. And no one will notice. What happened? What happened? No, no, I was just gone. His disciples are playing drums. Okay, cool. See you later. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the Bible that tells us these things about Jesus and help us to tell it to other people. Lord, we, we thank you for the clarity of your word, and, and that nothing can steal these revelations of Jesus that we have. All these wonderful revelations of Jesus. Lord, I pray that people will see it in our lives. Lord, we're going to share this with many people. As we do so, empower us by your Holy Spirit to be witnesses, Lord, to the resurrection of Jesus Christ like the first, first apostles were. Let us do that for our generation, Lord. Give us boldness. Let the power of the Holy Spirit come upon us so that we can open our mouths and speak life and share living water and bread with this dying world in Jesus' name. Thank you that we can celebrate life in each other, Lord, and this couple that's going to make their vows before the Lord and before the church today. We give you the glory and the honor for their decision. We speak a special blessing over them in Jesus' name. Amen.